Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, Autobotulinum Toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. We'll get uncensored tonight. Harry and Meghan say paparazzi photographers subjected them to a near-catastrophic, their words, two-hour, their claim, car chase in New York. But their story, not for the first time, is already unraveling. We'll have the latest. Also tonight, the shocking subway killing this bitterly divided American ex-Marine placed a homeless black man in a deadly chokehold on the subway. So why are so many people now calling him a hero? Live from the news building in London, this is Piers Morgan Uncensored. Well, good evening, London. Welcome to Piers Morgan on Censor. We have breaking news tonight. Prince Harry, his wife Meghan and her mother, Doria Ragland, were in New York last night for the Women of Vision Awards. Meghan was honoured for her lifelong advocacy for equality. We'll come to that later. And regardless of what you think about that, and I have my views, all the two of them in general, it's clear that they were involved in an incident last night that caused them distress. But just how much went down last night and what exactly happened is now becoming a contentious issue. The couple say they were involved in a, quote, near-catastrophic, close quotes, two-hour car chase at the hands of paparazzi in Manhattan from 10 o'clock to midnight. Sources uh, close to them said they were followed by half a dozen blacked-out vehicles which mounted pavements and skipped red lights. Tonight, the Times reports that Harry told friends it's the closest he's ever felt to understanding what happened to his mother, Princess Diana. A couple for the spokesman, for the, uh, spokesman the couple said last night the Duke and Duchess of Sussex and Miss Ragland were involved in a near-catastrophic car chase at the hands of a ring of highly aggressive paparazzi. This relentless pursuit... Relentless pursuit lasting two hours resulted in multiple near collisions involving other drivers on the road, pedestrians and two NYPD officers. While being a public figure comes with a level of interest from the public, it should never come at the cost of anyone's safety. But by contrast, the New York Police Department's statement was, well, it was singularly less dramatic. On Wednesday evening, they said, May 16th, the NYPD assisted a private security team protecting the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. There were numerous photographers that made their transport challenging. The Duke and Duchess of Sussex arrived at their destination and there were no reported collisions, summonses, injuries or, or arrests in, in that regard. And then the taxi driver, who at one stage transported the couple uh, for about 10 minutes, has now told the Washington Post he wouldn't call the incident a chase and said he felt 
safe during the ride. Recollections, as the late Queen once said, appear to be varying. Well, joining me now are journalist and author Petronella Wyatt, Princess Diana's former Royal Protection Officer Ken Wharf, Talk TV Royal Editor Sarah Houston, and Editorial Director of the Politics Column in the New York Post, Emily Smith over in New York. Welcome to you, a stellar panel. All right, Sarah, let's, what do we know? I mean, what we knew was... The first thing we knew was the statement from the Sussexes. Very dramatic. Well, I took a sharp intake of breath yeah. when I saw that there was a near-catastrophic car chase, uh, and I think many people will have done. Last night, they were in New York for a very well-publicised event, the Women of Vision uh, Awards, at which Meghan was presented with an award. They left. We've seen footage of them leaving. They got into a black SUV at around 10 o'clock last night. Apparently... And they were on, just to be clear about the geography, they were on 57th Street in Midtown Manhattan. Yeah. And they were travelling to a private residence on the Upper East Side. Yes. Now, at that time of night, I've lived on the Upper East Side of Manhattan for years. Uh, that's a, that's a five, ten-minute journey. So what is Should baffling been, yes. me is how this ends up taking uh, two hours. Well, well, wait one second, let's just get... They drove up and down FDR mm. for an hour and a quarter, mm. apparently, trying to evade the photographers. They were staying at an address on the Upper East Side that had been lent to them by friends. They didn't want them to know. I mean, my question now is, who, who were they staying with right. and didn't want us to know where they were? So trying to evade those photographers, they then ended up at a police station on the, the 19th precinct where they changed vehicles and they got into a taxi. And as you said, the taxi driver who picked them up, quite extraordinarily, said he was hailed and asked, do you want a fare? And he took them for 10 minutes. He said they seemed scared. He said there were two cars in pursuit at that stage. Mm -hmm. He didn't feel it was a chase. No. Nope. And uh, weirdly, he goes off for 10 minutes over a few blocks and then he comes back to where he picked them up. And then we don't really know. Other than apparently they, they, got to their, they got somewhere safely at the end of all this. They did. Uh, so we've got a map. <clears throat> this is a map of, uh, of Manhattan there. And you see the, the southern tip of Central Park is pretty much where they were at this, uh, this event, getting an award. And then they kind of zigzag up and down for the next two hours for reasons that completely baffle me, because I don't know why you would do that. I mean, they've got a security team. Just go where you're going. You're there in five, ten minutes. All right. Especially yeah. you're, you're determined to get in here. I am determined, because I think it is utter totter. I also lived in New York, in the Upper East Side, and I've spoken to 20 New Yorkers, and they're laughing their heads off. It is impossible to have a two-hour high-speed car chase in New York. The traffic is gridlocked. It's impossible to get a vehicle to go more than nine miles an hour. It's also impossible for um, an alleged paparazzi blacked-out car to drive on the pavement without being stopped, arrested or noticed. The weird thing <laughs> is that there are no witnesses to this. New York is... Well, I would put one caveat in here, <laughs> is that Harry was seen filming... Mm out of the car. So we're probably going to get... Wait, some... wait a minute. But there are no witnesses to what he's describing as a two-hour near well, We know the police were multiple... witnessing it, but the police version is not as it's dramatic very... as no, that. No, the police, the police are saying there were no reports uh, of collisions, no-one was arrested. Yeah. If it was, <laughs> as Harry said, with two or three more paparazzi cars illegally driving on the sidewalk, they would have been arrested. Well, that would be a crime. So can, exactly. Can, I mean... Just off the top, since the death of, of his mother, and I completely understand his pathological hatred of paparazzi after what happened to his mum. 
I get it, okay? I'm not going to question his right to feel that way about paparazzi generally. It's about what really went on, though, last night. And bearing in mind the context of his court case here at the moment to try and get better protection when he comes over here with his family at the taxpayer expense, there are cynics out there, and they've already been saying it on social media, is this just him over-egging an incident, which happens probably most nights of the week in Manhattan with celebrities, to try and get what he wants over here? Well, I think he's, he, that may be the case, Piers. I mean, but what I'm, what I'm confused with is this sort of near-catastrophic. Yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. to, to me, what I see is, is, is quite normal um, for that sort of event. I mean, here he is, you know, a major A-list or whatever he is, in New York, being pursued by the paparazzi, which is, which is normal. I think what, 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 what I have... And, to... and it has to be said legal. So under the yes. First Amendment, they're allowed to do this. Now, the question is, if the way they were driving was illegal. That's a different issue, but the police have made clear no arrests. So yes, but the they are, they are unlike, But the point again, Kent, unlike here, the laws got pretty well tightened after what happened with Diana. You couldn't do this in this country legally, but you can in New York. Well, no, yeah, no, but, you can't but, drive on the pavement. No, no, no. And they're I know. claiming that the paparazzi I understand did. that, but I'm saying that... Yeah, but I think... To actually way... pursue celebrities as paparazzi in New York is a legal thing to be doing. Yeah, but, but Harry and, and Meghan must have expected this to happen. I mean, you know, he's got this sort of private security uh, mm. business or company, whatever now, who clearly, th this is something new to them because they, from what I observe, it, they weren't able to deal with this problem. Now, you know, in the UK, I mean, for many years when I they worked with them... They put them in a taxi, well, <laughs> a yellow cab. What, what, I mean, what security interesting team... Move, but, uh, I mean, what security team in the world put the guy well, fifth, fifth in line to the throne of England in a random yellow cab with his wife what? and his and his mother-in-law and off they go. I mean, but I found that. Well, this that is, where, is surely this a tactical offence, isn't this is where it? Well, may it's have insulting, a point. actually. You wouldn't put Tom Hanks in a yellow cab. <clears throat> I, wouldn't get, I wouldn't get one. But, well, I don't <laughs> get, but why, then why, why then do, do, do they put him in a yellow right. taxi? It, it's obvious to me that, that, that the, the security company looking after him there really not, don't have the experience to deal with someone as high profile with him. Now, you know, he knows more than anybody else, you know, the role of the paparazzi. He knows that they will pursue him. And they know that you know, they are what I will say is a nuisance factor at worst. Look, the paparazzi don't kill people. You know, I'm not going to say that, you know, we know what the judgment was in, in, in the mm. case of, of Diana's inquest, you know, where the, Scott Baker said that the, she died as a result of a driver mm. over the drink drive limit and a, a contributive factor of the pursuing oh. paparazzi. But they actually don't kill people. Look, I could to be very careful what I say here, but, you know, all the years that I looked after Diana and other members of the royal family, never once did we find a problem with the paparazzi. Yes, they're a nuisance factor, but they have to be dealt well, with. Well, What happened here is they didn't get dealt okay, with. But I, let me bring in Emily just quickly here. <clears throat> Emily... I think the issue is in, in New York, the paparazzi can be pretty full on. I've seen them. They've done it to me, right? Which I was actually quite pleased about. <laughs> um, but, you know, you go to LA, you go to New York or even some other cities in America, they can be much more aggressive than anything you get over here now. Um, and that's what made me chuckle when I heard they were going, leaving the dreadful intrusive media in the UK to go to Hollywood and go to New York all the time. Because it's like, you, trust me, if you think you're going to get an easier time there from the media, forget it. You're not, you're not. And, uh, you know, what's happening today is their story is just completely unravelling. You know, the, the police are now saying it wasn't two hours, it was an hour. And they drove around New York, and you know, Piers, that, you know, you could walk faster than you could drive around New York mm. at that time of night. Um, and why on earth did they put them in a yellow cab? Yeah. Um, it's, just, it's just beyond belief. I mean, no security team would put them in a yellow cab. 
And uh, also, we know that they've got a lot of, um, you know, friends in hotels in New York. I mean, they could have just driven to the Carlisle, walked in the front entrance, mm. and said, can we stay here for an hour or whatever, and then go when the, the paps had left. That's what but I no, just don't they... understand. They could have gone anywhere like that. Yeah. They stayed at the Carlisle Mark. many times, and they could have just you know, gone there, a... been yeah. completely safe until it all died down. But for some... This is why I'm slightly cynical. I mean, Sarah, I am slightly cynical about the motives of all this and the timing, just given the fact that he's over here waging a legal battle to get better protection when he comes. This, of course, is the, in a way, the perfect story that he can say, there you go. Um, now, I would, again, the caveat, we haven't seen any footage. And no. Harry, we know, was taking some, as were his security people. Maybe he will produce footage, which looks terrifying. We don't know. So there's a caveat there. Yes, there is. And, and I suppose it depends whose eyes you're looking at this through. And he is looking at this through the eyes of someone who has said repeatedly he fears history is mm. going to repeat itself. He's very protective over his wife. We know he's very protective over his security. But you're right to raise the backdrop of this. He has multiple court cases going through on press intrusion, mm. but also on his security, fighting the Home Office to get Met police protection when he's over here. My understanding is when you're in New York, you can hire NYPD officers to protect you when they're mm. off duty, which is effectively what he's looking for mm. over here. But it didn't work last night, did it? Because no, it didn't, it didn't work last night. And, and, Emily, what is the reaction of Americans to this? Because yeah, Harry and Meghan are now basically they're celebrities. All celebrities yeah. that go to New York, I've seen it, yeah. uh, they all get the same treatment. It's not like they're getting anything different to people like Beyonce and, and the others. a public event. They were in a public event. They were, they were photographers. They would expect to have had photographers there and they would have expected to have been followed. But, you know, they could have just driven at the speed limit and gone to their destination and posed up yep. before they went in and then that was that. Um, but there's some theories emerging. Um, you know, one is, of course, what you said, is their, their war, their, their battle to get tighter security to protect them and their family, mm. which, you know, I can understand why there was a stalker arrested outside their house in Montecito mm. today. Um, but also, it has to be said, and this is my theory, and I, ha I haven't proven it yet, <clears throat> that they, you know, they've got this $100 million deal with Netflix, um, and they've just produced that documentary, which, you know, we've all opined on. Mm. And they haven't actually managed to come up with any other shows. So, you know, right there, whatever Harry filmed last night will be his next Netflix, Netflix special. And I'm well, not saying that... Well, you know, that... I am, I'm afraid, like a lot of people, I am very, very cynical about everything these two do. I'm also cynical about the way they describe things that happen to them. But well, because yes, I mean, the truth is they, <clears throat> they exaggerate, if not We're talking about facts. About because, almost everything. Yeah, because they, they issued a statement in which they were specific about six black-tap paparazzi cars mm. driving on the sidewalk of New York, uh, pursuing them for two hours, causing near-catastrophic mm. multiple crashes. Now... It turns out that if there was an incident, it was so minor compared to this, and there were not six. Well, I don't think we. I don't think we, we don't... know exactly. Well, what the we... NYP, if the it NYPD, if the NYPD didn't make any arrests, so they the... clearly didn't see anything which constituted to One them of their a breach security of the law. detail has spoken yeah. and has said he'd never experienced anything like it, and it could have been you know, but, fatal. You know, yes, my, but my response to that, Sarah, would be: this is much. the same. Well, no, it's the same security. A is on the payroll, but of secondly, course. they're the security detail that put their three very prized okay. charges into a random yellow black uh, yellow cab, right? I'm sorry, but... With the NYPD, though, on board with that, because that was taking place... 
I just that, this, That's the, the part of the story I don't get. The Apparently, the, the yellow cab went round for 10 minutes and then brought them back yes, where he picked them up. If anyone was wait, wait, anything uh, illegal or dangerous, they okay. would have Let's been not talk arrested. Over each other. Yeah, but, yeah. but I think I think what this, this shows, actually, is the, the ineffectiveness of the security that is actually mm. he's employed. And we mentioned there the NYPD. I know from my own experience that, that if there was a potential problem of being, you know, attacked by the paparazzi, mm -hmm. all they need to do is speak to the NYPD or any police yeah. service with it. And that, that, that advice would be forthcoming. Yeah. But, I mean, this is the problem. And to put somebody in a yellow taxi is just sort of against all Complete security madness. ideas. Yeah. And, and that's where maybe he has a case. But coming back to here in the UK, the government and, and, and Rafa have been quite, quite adamant yeah. that, that he is not eligible for, for security. What they've done in the past... There's no reason will... why the British taxpayer no, but, should no, be paying for any of his but, but they will provide him with a liaison, with sure. broader protection, to make it work. Okay. And that's, that's all that needs to be done. I've got to leave it there with uh, this stellar pack. Thank you all very much indeed. Uncensored next, Harry and Meghan were in New York of their own volition, of course, attending an awards gala at which the entire point was to be the centre of media attention. Did their confused relationship with privacy play a role in the subsequent drama? Or we'll debate that. Welcome back to Piers Morgan Uncensored. We now have a little exclusive because we are joined by the man who was the taxi driver in this, well, part of this wild car chase with the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. Uh, Sonny Singh was driving his yellow cab last night and picked them up and went off for 10 minutes and then brought them back, it seems. Joins me now live from New York. Mr Singh, thank you very much indeed for joining me. I know, Val. How are you doing? Could you tell me exactly what happened last night? Uh, so I was crossing on 67th Street, going east, going west on 67. And by the precinct, there was security standing there. They hailed me, and they said, "You need? A, are you empty?" I said, "Yes." And uh, like they told me to pull aside. As I pulled to the side, Prince Harry and his wife and uh, another lady jumped into my cab, and they seemed very nervous. And uh, as we went a block, we were blocked by a trash truck, and then all of a sudden, paparazzi just came out of nowhere, and just flashes just went off. How many paparazzi would you say there were when, when you uh, had them in your I cab? Say, uh, six. Six that I seen. And there were about two cars following us uh, as we as the trash cup a trash truck moved and there was two cars following us. And where did they want to go? Well, they were just about to say the location where they were gonna go, but then the paparazzi came and the security guard said, Hey, listen, just circle back to the precinct. So they had a security guard in the cab as well? In the cab, yes. Okay, and you see him in one of the pictures, he's sitting next to me. Were you surprised that they were in your cab? Uh, you know, not so much. You know, we get celebrities in the city all the time, you know, so not so much. We know that the paparazzi... In New York City, you don't know who you get... Right. You don't know who you're going to pick up in New York, right? So. Right, and that's true. But, I mean, in your experience, was the paparazzi attention any more or less than it would be for other major celebrities? No, for them it was more. It was a lot more because I had other celebrities in my cab as well. But this one, they was because they just surrounded the car and just went crazy with the cameras. And how would you describe every turn? Every yeah, go ahead. How would you describe how Harry and Meghan were about this? They were nervous. They were nervous. You could see the look on their face. Did they? Know? Did they talk to you at all directly? Uh, no, not as much. I mean, they, uh, when they were exiting, they say, what's your name? And I said, Sunny, and uh, that's like, have a good night. And then they exited, and then they went back into the SUV again. 
It's been categorised that there was a two-hour you know, wild car chase through the streets of New York, but was well, the, was the that time... Must, that, must have been a ha that must have happened before me. So there was no, there was no like, car chase station. when you were there? Uh, not when they got into my cab. We just went around the block and the car, two cars were tailing us behind us with a camera, and that was it. And then, and then you went back to where you'd actually picked them up? Yes, we went back to the precinct, and then they exited, and they, they thanked me, and I thanked them as well, and then they exited my car. Did they remember to pay you, Sonny? Yeah, they paid, they paid. They paid well, they paid well. So what's your, what's your view about this? You've become the most famous cab driver in New York tonight. What's your, what's your view about this incident? I don't know. I don't know about that. There's another one that's on TikTok. He has a bunch of celebrities in his cab, <laughs> and he usually got pictures with them. Do you think it's, uh, it's been overblown, this incident, or not? You know, I don't know what they went through last night, right? Because mm. I only had an interaction with them for 15 minutes and they seemed very nervous while they were in my cab. OK, well, Sonny, listen, I appreciate you joining me, the man at the centre of the, of the storm, quite literally. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Uh, it was a pleasure talking to you too. Eh? All the best. OK, well, joining me now is the Sunday Times columnist Charlotte Ivers, the associate editor of The Mirror, Kevin McGuire, and from New York, Fox News contributor and former bodyguard to Snoop Dogg, amongst others, Tyrus. Well, Tyrus, let me start with you. You're, a, you're in New York. You've been a bodyguard yes, to a major star. What do you make of this story? Uh, man, you know what? Uh, it sounds much to do about nothing. Uh, it, you know, if it was anybody else, it's just that, you know, the, I don't know, are they still the royal family? Or they still don't want to be a part of it, but want to be a part of it, whatever their mm. issue is. They just come across so thirsty all the time. They drink uh, seawater. But uh, it sounds like it didn't sound to me like it was that big of a deal. You're in New York. It's going to be crowded. Uh, maybe have your publicist stop calling paparazzi and tell them where you're at. Mm -hmm. uh, to get in a cab to go around the corner and come back seems silly. Uh, when uh, I was with Snoop and we were approached by paparazzi or he was ever made to feel nervous, I would have got out of the cab and confronted them and typically make an example out of one guy with the camera mm -hmm. and the rest would follow. So... Uh, it just seems like it was more staged than anything else. And, of course, a two-hour car chase in New York. Uh, where were you going, 15 miles an hour? It's New York. You can't move. Well, so, I think it's pretty you know, clear it just... now it wasn't two hours. They seem to have diverted no, it to was... a, police, a police station the... for at least, it looks like, half of that time. Sounds like South Park has got a sequel. <laughs> All right, Charlotte, have you any sympathy for them? I mean, you've got to a bit, haven't you, given the history behind this. Mm. Of course, Harry's mother died in such a car chase. And mm. I can sort of imagine if I was him, you'd mm. think it's happening to me. And even if it wasn't that bad, your brain would start to work itself up. Probably not to the extent that you'd then put out a press statement saying that something like this had happened. You'd hope that some publicist would get in the way and say, hang on, let's talk through, maybe let's put this a little bit further down. But in the moment, absolutely, I, I think I have sympathy with him. But Kevin, it's tricky, isn't it? Because as Tara said, they've been spectacularly thirsty for media yeah. attention. They've done the Netflix series with every spit and cough of their private lives. They've done the book, obviously, Harry, 420-odd pages about his private life. They've sold their private lives to the highest bidders now for the last two, three years. There will be a lot of people, I've seen it all over social media today, pretty cynical, saying, look, if you want to play that game, if you want to work the media that hard for personal gain, for money, for profile... Yeah then this comes with the territory. Yeah, it's very different to you know, people who are, are, are very famous but shun publicity. They don't keep going to awards dinners. They don't keep searching for the limelight. They want their, 
their privacy. Um, it's very hard to imagine this happening in London, mm. and I'm not aware of it ever happening. Well, it wouldn't when it they lived to, here. Look, it used to go on with Diana, and in fun if I checked yeah. uh, an interview I did with Diana um, when I was at the Mirror, and it was just before she died, actually, right. a few months before she died. But we, I'd had lunch with her, and she told me how the paparazzi, there were certain rogue paparazzi, yeah. they weren't attached to newspapers, but they would deliberately upset her by being abusive. And when she reacted emotionally, they'd get the footage they wanted and they would sell that as Diana's tears over marriage or whatever. And she said, please understand that's what they're doing. And I said, OK, we're not going to use those pictures anymore. And we announced it in the mirror, actually, mm -hmm. at the time. And she thanked me when I did this interview for what we had yeah. tried to do. Now, unfortunately, you can't control the world's paparazzi. Uh, many of them are good, hard-working, decent people. I've worked with a lot of them over the years. And some are complete rogues. But if, but if, um, so we don't really know yet. I think, but you know, it, it may be last night was a pretty chastening experience. Yes. The question then becomes, how much of that do you bring on yourself? Yeah, and uh, you know, I I agree the sympathy for him, the way his mother died, and he said every time he sees a flash or hears the click of a camera, it, he, he goes mm. back, and he's clearly a troubled young man. And you could say, yep, they they've made themselves celebs, so you're going to get attention. They want to conceal where and who they're staying with. Yeah. Why do they want to do that? But I also understand why some of the people would want to know where and who mm. they are staying with. But that wouldn't excuse if any, you stay in a any major, If you stay in a major hotel in New York, you, you've yeah. got complete privacy. Yeah. You know, we had the Met Gala recently. They were all at the Carlisle. Mm. No one got inside. Mm. It's completely mm. walled off. Taris, let me just um, also ask you about the fact that they were there at all was that Meghan Markle was receiving this award from Gloria Steinem for being an inspiring example of equality and feminism. Do, do you see uh, the, do, do you the, see the Duchess in that award? way? The Virtue Signaling Award? Uh, <laughs> you know, first of all, what, as the more we talk about this, my bodyguard instincts just kicked in, and, and I just have another question. If, and, and I remember there was one time where me and Snoop were in Santro Page, and I mean, it was Usher's birthday party or something with some craziness. And when we came out and we saw the mob, I literally said, you know what? We're going back in and we're going to wait out. Yeah. I don't understand why they would come out of a thing, see the paparazzi coming for them, and their bodyguard wouldn't just say, whoop, we're going back in. Because yeah. taking them back in is the safest place to be. And then the mob, when you just wait them out, or you get a back entrance. So the more I think about it, the more it seems like especially if, if you truly have that type of fear or, or a horrible memory, the last thing you would do would be constantly putting yourself around cameras. That, There's that's ways what to be I, That's what I just can't get my head around. It's like, why would and, you well, go... Well, I can, because it's not him. Yeah. We need to stop blaming him. Yeah. The poor, as we would say, the poor guy, he, he married an individual who runs him rampant, it's about her. She's receiving an award where, and she's not known for, like, it's not like she's going to Calcutta and feeding orphans. She's literally one of the most selfish people. She, the, the things that she said about the royal family and the things that she says about people uh, is not someone that should get an award for inspiration. But again, it's virtue signaling. And of course, to get more attention, after she received an award that none of us even know about, the paparazzi chased him. So, I mean, and now we're all talking about it. So yeah. she did her job, and she, it just feels like, like I told you, every time I look at the poor guy, it looks like he's sitting on a, a, seat, a chair of gl broken glass, <laughs> and he's constantly being put in the mix. I still say he didn't write that book. She did. And <laughs> he's just caught up, and eventually, uh, I hope uh, that he will stand up for himself because okay. he seems like a decent guy. 
Yeah, I wouldn't go that far. Um, Charlotte, the interesting thing is she made this speech, very gushy, typical Meghan speech, but it was all basically about her feminist credentials. It was about being kind to people. It was about equality. Is there anything less equal than being a duchess who uses royal titles to make hundreds of millions of dollars? And when it comes to feminism, does she really represent the feminist icon that young women should look up to? I mean, not for me personally, to mm. be honest. I think, look, she was a reasonably successful actress. I sort of don't necessarily buy the idea that every time a woman is in the public eye doing anything, that must in some way be a huge kind of feminist moment. And actually, I was thinking, listening to that, mm. about Taylor Swift. She's lived in North London for, mm. what, six years now, and she's kind of a bit, I would say, responsible at times in her career mm. for doing the whole, I'm a woman existing, therefore that must be feminist thing too. But you never saw any photo of her because it is possible to hide if you are a celebrity and if you've got enough money mm. and oh, was... there's no, no question I know massive stars who just walk around mm. Tom Hanks came into a cafe I was in in New York Upper East actually a few years ago on his own no bodyguards no one bothered him he asked if he could join me we had the best breakfast I've ever had yeah. but that's New York you can do that in New York that's mm. the point um, th this idea though of Meghan Markle being an inspiring example of equality Kevin yeah, well... Is there much equal about... No, no. And, you, and you, you know my view on all of, yeah. all, all of that. No. I mean, the, the, they want the royal titles, the Duke and Duchess, because mm. they can monetize it, how they make their, their big money. I don't... No, there's no, there's no equality there whatsoever. But I don't think she is entirely bad, and I can see she will inspire some people, perhaps young girls of, of colour in, in particular. Uh, Tyrus is uh, very much against her, I see that, but um, they, they could actually uh, hire him as a bodyguard. He sounds like he'd be pretty effective and uh, there would have been no trouble last night with him around. OK, we're going to take a short break. Uh, Tyrus, I want to, uh, if you don't mind staying just for a little bit, Tyrus, I'd like to talk to you about this uh, story about the ex-Marine who did the choke Oh, absolutely, hold. I would love to. Yeah, so we'll stay with us and we'll talk to you after the break about that. Thank you, Tyrus. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Piers Morgan Uncensored. We'll have another story coming out of New York. Jordan Neely, a black 30-year-old homeless man, boarded a northbound subway train in New York City on the afternoon of May the 1st. What happened next has shocked and bitterly divided America because after making threatening movements and noises, saying he was prepared to kill himself, he was then held in a chokehold uh, by another passenger, helped by two others. The passenger was an ex-Marine. The footage, I have to warn you, is quite distressing. So that went on for several minutes. Now, Jordan Neely was mentally unwell, schizophrenic, it appears. He'd been arrested 42 times before, including four times for assault. His killer, of course, couldn't have known that. And by killer, I mean the ex-Marine who did the chokehold. He did end up actually killing Neely, who died in his arms from the chokehold. After boarding the train originally, Neely had begun shouting. He said he needed food and money. He didn't care if he went to jail, didn't care if he died. Well, the person that put him in the choker was Daniel Penny, a 24-year-old ex-Marine. Uh, and after Jordan Lilly died, Penny has now been charged with manslaughter and faces up to 15 years in jail if convicted. Besides being obviously shocking, the case has ignited debate about everything from race to justice to out-of-control urban crime and the way a society should treat its most vulnerable people. Daniel Penny's critics say he's a violent vigilante who killed a mentally ill man. His legions of supporters lionise him as a hero who acted to defend fellow passengers. More than $2.6 million has now been donated to aid his defence. Well, joining me is a talk to be contributor, Esther Cracker, Black Lives Matter organiser, activist, Iman Ayton, the Professor of Race Relations at the University of Pennsylvania, Chad Dion Lassiter, and from New York, I'm still with uh, Tyrus, the uh, Fox News contributor and former bodyguard. Tyrus, let me start with you, because it's an emotive story, this. Uh, you know, when I first heard about it, I was like, OK, this is going to blow really big because it, it ticks almost every incendiary box you could imagine of debate in America right now. Do you see this as a, a killing or do you see this as somebody trying to do the right thing by putting someone he thought was a threat in a chokehold and trying to subdue him? Taurus, can you hear me? OK, Taurus, go on, hear me. Oh, OK, let me go to Chad Dion Lasseter. Uh, Chad, what do you feel about this story? Where do you come at this story from? I think, Pierce, that it's uh, both and. On one level, we want individuals who are on subways to be secure, to feel safe, whether they're commuting into work, commuting home, or just catching uh, public transportation. Uh, the other aspect is the way that we uh, sometimes have individuals who engage in white vigilanteism uh, with regards to black bodies. 
Uh, a lot of things come to mind for me. One, this was a person that was in distress. Uh, this was a person that was un emotionally unraveling. This was a person that, uh, of course, individuals who were on that subway platform did not know he had mental health issues. But we need to do a better job of making sure that our transit systems uh, have people who are trained in mental health first aid. We need to also look at the way that we treat individuals and not making sure that we uh, making sure that we don't stigmatize them. And so once again, uh, we know that uh, in our democracy here in the United States, a lot of people are going to be seduced uh, by the black-white binary. Uh, a chokehold is a, a very dangerous tactic. So for this ex-Marine, uh, he's trained in skills uh, and techniques on how to de-escalate uh, certain conflicts uh, that may arise. OK, we've got Taras back, I think. I mean, Taras, my view of this, um, and obviously I want to wait now for the proper court trial and see what happens and what emerges, but my view is very hard to say that this ex-Marine was acting malevolently. I don't think he meant to kill this young man. I think he wanted to subdue him and protect other passengers from what he thought was a threat. Well, no, it, he was a threat. And first of all, uh, you don't want to see anyone lose their life. That, that part uh, is, is, is tragic. But let's not forget uh, where this took place and what's been going on in the subways in New York City and a lot of the cities uh, across this country. Our police departments are defunded, devalued. Uh, our, our criminal element is emboldened. They understand now that they can do things. Uh, and they're not going to be kept in jail. There's no cash bail. Guys are released within the hour. Uh, and then, of course, you have the spin. Unfortunately, the reason why this is such a big case is the, is the worst part. Uh, had this Marine been a man of color who was the one who had him in the chokehold, we wouldn't even be having this conversation right now. The two men who were, were holding his arms because it was a fight, it was a struggle. Let's not forget that. Mm. Let's not forget that 90% of the victims that we see in the, uh, in the subway are women. And there's enough videos, and I, for one, was glad to see men showing up again instead of holding camera phones and video recording women getting the life beat out of them in the, in the subways or people being shoved and attacked. And he was walking up and down, and, and the subway basically is a human lunchbox. There's not a lot of room in there. And he's walking up and down saying he's going to hurt. He doesn't care if he goes to jail. He doesn't care if he hurts someone. He's basically threatening everybody. Uh, and it wasn't like the Marine was like, hey, I'm going out to attack a person of color today. He was okay. a citizen who had enough, and okay. so is everybody in the is everybody in the subway a co-conspirator? Right. I mean, it, it's, I just, it's a good it's, question. Well, let me go to Iman. I mean, it is an emotive one. Nobody wanted this person to die, but nor did those passengers want to feel threatened by what he was doing before that. And the marine, I think, was trying to do the right thing by executing something he was able to do from his training. Well, irrespective of intent, if it. Your, out, or your actions result in death, then you should be charged, irrespective of the intent. And the charge will determine the level of intent. So I think it's safe to say someone died. If so you therefore, were on a, if you they were on should a, be charged. If you were on a train here, we call it the tube here, the subway, if you were on one and somebody got on and was threatening people and talking about, I don't care if I die, and talking about bullets and so on, uh, and somebody stepped in, of any colour, and stepped in to hold them back and protect you and other passengers, what would you feel? Well, it comes down to two things. I, I want to connect, kind of connect the two things. Firstly, he's a Marine. He is trained to kill, and he should understand reasonable force. In that instant, he didn't, so therefore he needs to be held to account. In terms of vigilantism, for me personally, I believe it's stepping stones to anarchy. So I, 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 there's, I there's, there's a fine line between 
stepping in to do the right thing and killing someone. Okay. This is what we're I, talking I do about think something here. we have to bear in mind is this man has been homeless for a decade. He's struggled with mental health issues. He's been in and out of prison for 42 times. Mm. He shouldn't have been out in the public. That's, that's, that's I, something that we, we can, can all concede agree on. With, yes. <laughs> but also, I'm also thinking, you know, this is someone who's clearly unhealthy. Yeah. If, you, if you're struggling with a mental health um, condition and mm. you've been in and out of prison and you're homeless, your physical constitution is not as strong as it would be. So there's an argument to say that while the Marine executed this move in the way that he knows how, he was probably dealing with someone who was weaker, who was less healthy. He might have used ex exerted force on someone who wasn't but he built, better, to surely. built to do that. But that, there's that argument, because if he's doing it on someone that he thinks is of a certain stature... But he's a Marine. Yes, he's but, Marine. But bear in mind, but bear in mind... Iman, Iman, bear in mind... All right, but Iman, he also... All fairness, he was warned. He was warned by another passenger, the Marine. He was warned, look, be careful you don't kill him here, you'll be on a charge. This is after about two and a half minutes. And he stopped, but he was waiting. He asked them, call the police, call the police. He was waiting for help to come yeah. to take him. So, it's just, you know, I, I don't think it was a deliberate act to kill this person. Oh, no one's disputing that. Well, actually, that. Not, well, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, the, the Democratic congresswoman, she came out immediately and tweeted, this, is, this was a public execution. Well, which I thought was... Well, I thought that that's was, different to being But I thought that was unbelievably stupid. But that's, yeah. that's different to being intentional. Yes, yeah, it may, that, may have felt that way to people, but there's a difference between intentional... Exactly. That's supposed to matter. And exactly. I think, obviously, that's irresponsible. I do think what we have to be careful of is not racialising this, because I often say that when you racialise something like this, you have, you know, victims of... of, of black victims in someone like the southern side of Chicago that are thinking, my black son was killed last week by a, a black perpetrator. Why isn't he making national news? But so also, this is not like George there. Floyd, where, exactly. you, where we all watched for eight and a half, nearly nine minutes, yeah, a something. clearly racially motivated white police officer snuff the life out of George Floyd. This is... A More quarter, of a social issue. This is a quarter of that well, time yeah, and, and was actively yeah, engaged. Yeah, I just don't... I mean, let me bring Tyrus back in here. I just think that people okay, are always first very of quick... All, they're always very quick as to make it... As fast as I can, how many people in this panel have been in a fight? How many people in this panel <laughs> have, have actually been in a fight? Because I've been I in have. one. I, I've, been in, I've been in brawls. We're I've been there. with guys We're that there. tried to have a knife or whatever. And right. if he was, if he was I, I, so I weak, I don't know if the why issue, did it take I don't know if the issue is whether or not a person down. has been in a fight or, or not a fight. All the, I think your there's a lot of things that need to be unpacked. People always telling police what they should do in the I middle think, of an I think, emergency. I think it's more. I think it's more complicated it took two than that. Men to if, hold if I can just down. jump it in wasn't here, like I think he the, was the, weak. All right, all right. Let me, let we, Chad, we can't Chad, talk over one you another. No, I, if I could finish, you can okay, have so the rest. Okay, so what I wanted to say. That Tyrus finished what he said. Then Chad, you respond. Thank. Because armchair quarterback, what someone does in the moment, in the minute of battle. Now let's not forget that he was. He had mental issues. It also wasn't just the Marine. Two other men had to hold him down while he'd fight and struggle, which means that one man could not keep him down. Again, it's no, tragic that, that he died, mean but that. let's not sit that there and pretend like that. it was an innocent thing. Until you've been in that. a real-life situation where you have to make split-second decisions, then you have the right to criticize. And okay, Chad, Chad, you respond to that? Okay, so, so, so we heard you. So, so one, the, the question of whether or not people have been in fights or not, to me, is insignificant because a lot it of is. us it have goes not to been able to be You're in speaking fights from because what we practice. Let me finish. Let me finish. Let's have, let's have a level of civility. Answer Let me the finish. question, bro. Can on one level, the um, there are individuals, no there are individuals who are nonviolent. That's, that's number one. 
individuals who are nonviolent uh, and they practice nonviolence, that's number one. Number two, it doesn't matter what the data is as it relates to how many times he could be arrested. It could be an individual that's dressed like me or a number of us that are on this panel who could be in distress because of a trigger, because of vicarious traumatization, because of a form of post-traumatic stress disorder. And We're so supposed to know the that issue is subway? we need to make sure that our, our transportation centers, mental health first aid can help people with that. And once again, it's a structural thing. From a structural standpoint, from a macro standpoint, we want people to be safe. We want to make sure that it's not over surveillance of a police, uh, police state, which New York is. We want to be able to have transit uh, people in place and professionals, community interventionists, nurse practitioners, social workers, that if something okay. happens, we want to make sure that so we call them. We do, but the truth is, the truth is, a lot of New Yorkers do not feel safe on the subway with good reason. So do you and, kill and them? This, well, no, I don't I think any, Philadelphia. Should no one should be unnecessarily killed, but they should also be protected. People should be able to use the subway safely. With and violence. that is at the centre of this. Uh, I've got to leave it there. Uh, Taris, thank you uh, for straddling, Always a pleasure, Pierce. straddling so many uh, debate divides. I appreciate it. Chad, thank you very much. Oh, I don't care. Uh, Iman and Esther, why don't you stick around? We haven't heard from you about Meghan and Harry. <laughs> why don't we get your view about that <laughs> after the break? I think you've probably both got views on this. Welcome back. Let's get more on those claims by the Sussexes that were subjected to a, what they claim was a two-hour paparazzi car chase in Manhattan. Pat O'Meal, the Talk TV contributor, Esther Cracker, and Black Lives Matter organiser activist Iman Ayton. OK, Iman, what do we make of this? I'm upset for them because these types of incidences validate your opinion and others' opinions in terms of Harry not kind of getting over... Um, the past and incidences that really resonated with Actually, him. that's not how I feel. And I said earlier in the show, I actually have I've always had sympathy with his hatred of paparazzi, okay. given he blames paparazzi for killing his yeah. mum, right? I don't think that's true. I think a drunk driver killed his mum because he was speeding under an underpass. There's no doubt the paparazzi were Paid following. Well. And there's also no doubt, because I had lunch with Diana and William was there and she talked about the paparazzi, how much it hurt her, how much it hurt him. So I'm under no illusion about that. I just feel with this that the trouble with these two is they turn everything... There's a phrase that I like, which is over-egg the souffle, right? They're always over-egging the souffle. Whatever went on last night, it wasn't a two-hour high-speed chase around Manhattan. Mm. It was probably... At least half of that was spent, it seems, stationary or in a police station. Um, and what was really going on, because it's, it's perfectly legal for paparazzi in New York to follow celebrities. Mm. Nobody got arrested. The police said there was no specific incident. Nobody got hurt. There was no collision. In the end, it's just Harry and Meghan complaining about press intrusion, having been in an event where they invited the world's media to come and pay homage we, to them. We, we, but we they have the right to complain about press but we, we spoke intrusion about during we... certain incidences in their life. So if they do not but have the they press still got the media, they have right. the right to say, I but don't want the press to follow me, and this. I have the right to get into a cab and do whatever I need to do to avoid them. They I, have the I know, right but when, when, we first heard the, when we first heard the story, the both of us were like, a, a two-hour car chase in yeah. Manhattan? It's like yeah. a two-hour car chase in London. You'd end up in Kent. And that's... I mean, by the way, that's their statement. But is that accurate? Is that... No, it's not accurate. They didn't have a two-hour... So their statement is untrue. And they say near catastrophic. But I feel, but actually, I feel there was bad. no collision with anybody. Nobody got hurt. Yeah. It's not a catastrophe. It's not a near catastrophe. What it is is them being pursued by paparazzi. People may have a view watching this about 
paparazzi should never do that. I think the paparazzi are part of the oxygen of celebrity. And if you court the media as aggressively and as thirstily as these two have done, you are going to get a lot of paparazzi attention. Well, I, I mean, I felt bad because initially I just... I, my immediate reaction was... Well, sadness, obviously, but yeah. also doubt, because yeah. a two-hour car chase in Manhattan didn't... Well, it's not sense. true, and that's in but, their statements. So you know, half of that time, immediately is not true. At the same time, can they... Where do they draw the line? Because if you're going to complain about media intrusion, you've intruded into your own life so much. Which it's, where where do you draw the line? Yep. And I think that's what I really struggle with. I feel like these are people that, especially with regard to Harry, they are troubled. They are genuinely troubled. I think that's right. And I think, Iman, here's the thing with them. They're constantly suing... Obviously, I'm involved in a case at the moment with The, the Mirror, uh, which I can't talk about until it's over, so I won't talk about it. But there are lots of battles. There's, like, six lawsuits on yeah. the moment with Harry suing all the media, right? And it seems to me that they just occasionally... They do a book invading their privacy, over 400 pages. They do a Netflix series. And then in between... They're raging about media intrusion, yeah. and I'm not sure the public. The I'm not sure the public are wearing that anymore. I, and I, I appreciate that point. Clearly, I was one that that definitely supported them. I don't in the same way that I initially mm. did. So you're right on that point. But I can happily say that I don't actually think that they are conflating the two things. I think privacy is one thing, mm -hmm. and defending yourself is another. And so if you write a book and you're trying to defend your name, you're trying to defend all the stories that have written about you. That's one thing. And then making sure that you have privacy when you're on your way to the shop yeah, I remember is when, another. Uh, that's two separate I remember, things. So I, that's the way you're yeah. talking about. I remember, Esther, the line, right? Esther, that's I, I remember when Diana died and in the aftermath, everyone hated the paparazzi. And I remember there was, I think it was a premiere in London. I think it was George Clooney. I don't want to speak out of turn about him if it wasn't, but I think it was George Clooney. And he came out and he'd been very disparaging about paparazzi. And he came out and all the paparazzi turned their backs on him <laughs> at his film premiere. Oh, yeah. And it was a real moment where actually a major celebrity went, major celebrity went, wow, hang on. What happens right? if the oxygen of publicity for mm. what I want, my premieres, my... What if that disappears? Well, yeah, but the, uh, protest so they are yeah, all, protest Whether health, right? they like each other or not, they're all part of the same celebrity pie. Ecosystem. And Netflix wouldn't have been paying them $100 million if it wasn't for the paparazzi, if it wasn't for all the noise that they've created around them. Mm. So I he think, had an opportunity to defend himself well, and therefore this, he was I paid think it's a as defense, a result. Though, because I, th I think defense, you have, again, you have to draw the line somewhere. Defending I agree. yourself is publishing I agree. a book. I agree. Defending yourself is not. Oprah, and then a series, and then a no, book. No, no, I'd, I'd, actually, I'd actually contest you on that point. The first opportunity for him to defend himself, he, I, I think, I don't want to put words into their mouth, but they would arguably say it was Oprah. And then the kind of second the defense Netflix was series. when we had the kind of... I know, I think... Of, do you know what I think these two things is? I know. Attack, I know. And then they decided we've to... Got a, we've, got to leave, we've got to leave it here. But I think the process, thing, right? thing about them is nobody should be subjected to the way they've categorised what happened last night. The issue is, mm. have they categorised it accurately? Correctly, yeah. If there were paparazzi okay. bombing down the pavements, so, you know, endangering people yeah. uh, at 80 miles an hour, that's one thing. If that didn't happen and they've oversold it again, then that's a different issue. I think we'll find out. We'll probably see some videos. Thank you to both of you. Appreciate it. Whatever you're up to, keep it uncensored. Good night.